Hello, and welcome to God is a Dad podcast. My name's Justin. I'll be your host today. In a minute, I'll be joined by my friends, Dan and Jake. We are three dads trying to become better dads by looking at the way God parents us, his children, and then trying to treat our kids that way. Uh, In a minute, we're about to have a conversation about discipline. We had one last week, and we're going to continue that conversation. Last week was a little bit more about the why, kind of the whole purpose of discipline, what we see the goal that we're trying to accomplish is. This week, we're going to get into more of the practical details of kind of how we go about it uh, and some of the struggles and, I guess, also mistakes that we've made with that. In this conversation, we are not trying to be prescriptive and tell people the right way to discipline their kids. We think there's a lot of room for diversity in this topic. Every parent is different, every family is different, every child is different, and so we think there's a lot of room for freedom and creativity in discipline. So if you hear something that we do that you're like, that's not the right way to do it, that's not how we should do it in our family, then we probably agree with you. It's probably not. We just wanted to have kind of open and candid conversations that people could listen to and enjoy listening to, hopefully, but also kind of find useful, encouraging, and hopefully helpful. So that's what we're doing. Hope you get something out of it. Enjoy. So then you have, if you have a philosophy of why, if you have a philosophy on why discipline is important, then you have to have a philosophy on the implementation of discipline. So what do you guys do? How do you, how do you discipline practically? Jake, what about you? You're, I mean, you're obviously in a little different stage. So I I would like to hear what you do now for Elliot with 18, but then I'd also like to hear what you think you'll do. Yeah, right now, like I said, we're trying to just show him the black and white, show him that there's right and that there's wrong and that we want him to listen to us. And so there's basic things that we do that, that aren't really right or wrong, but we just want him to get into the habit of, of listening to us and do, doing what we, what we say and, and having him associate that with like that being good. And so right now we have him, whenever we change his diaper, uh, we fold it up, you know, put it, put it into the, the diaper bowl, you know, and then we hand it to him and we go, okay, go throw it out. And mm-hmm. yeah. he gets super excited, and he he runs over to the trash can, throw, throws it in the trash can, and then he claps. And yep. <laughs> and he does, he does that with our like kitchen trash can. If we're upstairs, we have a little like small trash can with with uh-huh. in it. And and he yeah, no matter where he's at in the house, he will always find one of those two trash cans. Does it claps, and he loves it. And so that, those are little things that, that we're trying to do to reinforce, hey, we're asking you to do something and you're doing it. And we, we all get excited when you do something that we tell you to do. You know, it's fun. It's good. Yeah, it's and cool. so, so that, that, that's more or less we're, we're working out. Uh, I think right now for the discipline stuff, like for the major, quote unquote, major disobedient things, he loves the computer, and so mm. computers on the table. He will if you're not in the room with him. He will climb on the chair, climb on top of the table, and start like slapping at the keyboard. Start slapping at the computer, and so that is probably his biggest discipline factor because he know mm. he know it, it's amazing, but he knows that we tell him no, that that we don't want him to do it. So what we have 
what I have started to do is I will flick him on the, on the nose. So which is basically spanking. <laughs> so we we realized like right away that we can't spank him because it just doesn't hurt. He's wearing a diaper, first of all. But it just doesn't hurt him, and he's not. He's pretty physical, and so I would have to actually beat him for <laughs> for anything physical for that to actually hurt. Sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, like like a little flick on the nose is discomforting enough, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't. Actually yeah, it's sensitive. Hurt. Right. Yeah. So Adrian doesn't like it because uh, she thinks it treats him too much like a dog. But, <laughs> but so now, so now, whenever yep. I hold sure. my hand out as if I'm gonna flick him, he he'll start shaking his head no, mm-hmm. and, yep. and then he'll he won't always climb off the chair or climb off the table, but he'll stop. He'll stop, look at me, shake his head no, and then he waits to see if I will actually go through with it. Mm. And so if it looks like I'm going to go back into the kitchen or, you know, go back to the living room, then he'll, he'll start to reach for it again. And then I have to, I, I either have to actually pluck him or I have to get really close to him. And then he'll step down onto the chair, go back playing but it it is pretty amazing just the connections that they are able to make even even at that young young of an age to realize oh this is something that they don't want me to do i know i know it's wrong or at least i know it's wrong in the fact that they don't want me to do it mm-hmm. sure that is working to an extent but i i try to for the sake of principle i will explain it to him i will say elliot get down you're gonna get a flick. We want to respect, you know, the our 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 things that we have. We don't want to play rough with the computer. That's not something for you to play with. So I'll explain right. that to him just for the sake of principle. He's probably not <laughs> understanding it, but but me, it's good because I want to get into. Try. Yeah, I I want to get into the habit of actually explaining why I'm disciplining my kids rather than yeah, just yeah, clicking. Cool. Flicking them in the face and then, <laughs> hey, <laughs> stop doing that. Sometimes I do that too, but yeah, you know, <laughs> I I don't know what. I'm I'm just super curious at what point uh, we we can start implementing more of the why uh, behind what we're doing and and even having them just basically understand it. Like, for for example, we, we went to the mall uh, last week, and I just had them playing around in, in the little jungle gym that, that they have. And so one of the kids just dumped out a big bag of tractors and, and cars. And so Elliot makes a beeline right towards that kid and just picks one up and starts playing with it. And the mom, the the mom of the kid was like, "Oh, it's fine. He can play with it." And mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, that's cool. That's sweet of you to have to invite my my son into sharing and playing playing with your son." But in my head, I was like, "I want him to get a sense of, hey, not everything is yours, you know. Right. Like yeah. like you can ask to to play with a toy, but I was like, he's seventeen, sixteen months old." I, he's not gonna, you know, stop and and ask and do whatever <laughs> do what I want him to do. 
So I'm sure. I'm just curious at what point can I start implementing, you know, those type of social norms into his life. Uh, that's one thing that makes kids so great though is that they don't understand the social norms and that's right. it's kind of fun that he can just run up and start playing with another kid's <laughs> stuff and right. they can have fun together. It's kind of what makes kids cute a little bit. So for I feel like that was Justin's first part of the question. What do you think about his second part? Like how do you think that's gonna change? He's ten, are you still gonna flick him on the nose? Well, I think that's why I, I don't know at what point they start they start understanding. Yeah. So yeah. At, at the point when they start understanding, then then that's when my, my disciplining can be more intentional. Or or intentional in the in the fact that I'm wanting them to mature and I'm wanting them to under, understand the actual why. Right now, I just want him to understand right and wrong. I, I don't really care if he gets the why because I, I think he's yeah. not there yet. I think he's emotionally dumb. Can't handle it. What do you think kids start to learn that, Justin? Uh, as soon as they can talk. I mean, I think you can start, you know, why is a, is a complex question, right? Yeah. So, you know, there's different levels to why something is wrong or right, I think. But, but yeah, as soon as they can talk, I think and they, if they can express their own ideas, then I think they can begin to understand yours. And I, I think, you know, he may even understand it. Yeah. Yeah, sooner than you think. Um, right. Possibly. At least, at least some elements of why things are right and wrong. So I don't know. I don't know. When, when do kids start talking? Two? Two and a half? Three? I, I have no, no memory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Somewhere in there, that range. At what point do you think they're able to vocalize a satisfactory answer? To mm. not just, like, this is why I ask her, because I feel like my kids are just starting to consistently respond in a way that I'm like, I see that you actually understand what you're saying right now. Mm. You're not just giving me like a repeat answer or something yeah. that you think it is. They're able to like take a completely new situation and tell me, tell me why. And they're like five and a half, close to six. I am personally surprised at how long it took them. <laughs> and we started right. in like, you know, we were like day, yeah, like before they were talking, talking about why, mm -hmm. you know, like right. asking questions and all that stuff. And it has been a long, it's been like a long journey, I feel, for them to like be able to vocalize or like think and respond to new situations and tell me why, like why that was dangerous or why that was, you know, why they got a consequence or why they are about to get a consequence or whatever. Right. I've been surprised. Like understanding to like a sufficient level. Yeah. I don't know how to define it, but like I feel like they're just yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I mean it's kind of a light bulb moment, right? I, I think that's and it's hard to describe put into words what that is but yeah i would say cameron is probably not there and james definitely is and has been for a little while james is six cameron's four they both kind of just turned those ages so yeah probably somewhere probably somewhere around the five five-year-old range i think james was a little more he will he will end up being a little more emo emotionally mature than cameron he was a little more aware of other people and because like so much of why things are wrong is because it's bad for other people, right? <laughs> like you have to mm -hmm. be able to you have to be able to recognize that, hey, that's my computer, right? <laughs> and if you break that, that will cost me money, and mm -hmm. our, you know, well, that will affect our family and it will affect other people, and actually will affect him too in the, at the end of the day. But yeah. it's really whenever they start to understand that other people are people, I think, and and can they can empathize with them and feel understand that it makes someone else sad. You can't just go around kicking people in the neck. Right, right. 
Exactly. Yeah. You know. I thought you were gonna say. <laughs> that's our that's our go to line with with James and with Cameron too. But James James doesn't get it. Or sorry, Cameron doesn't get it. Like tonight when I was talking with James about the praying thing after he was in bed, I was like, "How do you think Cameron would feel if he never got to pray last? How would that make him feel?" And he just said, "Sad." <laughs> and then I said, "Yeah, how would you feel if you never got to pray last?" He said, "Sad." And I said, "Is it important?" You know, are both of you important? And he said, yeah. And I was like, yeah, mom and dad want both of you to not be sad. So that's why we take turns because then nobody has to be sad all the time. That's it, you know. But but Cameron, I think I think he would do what you're saying. He would repeat it back to me because he knows the mm-hmm. he knows the game. But I don't know that it's clicked yet for him. Right. That James has a heart that feels the same way his does. But he, yeah, he can go through emotions for sure <laughs> at this yeah. point. <laughs> Like they, it's funny that like my kids always had the Jesus answer. They're like, "Why, mm. you know, like who loves you?" And they, Jesus, or who, lo-, you know, <laughs> it would be with consequences. Like they would be, oh. like, because I disobeyed you. It, it wouldn't be like because I disobeyed you. Because I disobeyed oh. you, they'd kind of <laughs> question mark. Because I'm mean to my sister. <laughs> yeah, they would always. How they would right. not be sure, and then recently they're like, they're really able to reason through or answer. I would say like, uh, at my current stage, I don't know. Like we spanked a lot from like one and a half to four and a half or whatever, and it has taken a sharp dive down to almost zero spankings right now. We like rarely do any spankings now, so we do just a lot of like. Got to collect yourself in your room. You know, we do a lot with taking away just food or video games. Currently. Those are kind of the two, mm. the two things. We allow our kids like 45-ish minutes of screen time a day. And like that, not getting cereal and not getting like a dessert. Those <laughs> <laughs> are the right. biggest things in their life right now. Uh, I think I think that'll be my biggest sell to Adrian on to why we need to let Elliot play video games. So that way we can take them away. Mm, beautiful. <laughs> it's not a bad. It's not a horrible strategy. That's for sure. <laughs> There's a lot of merit to it. I would say. I would say. <laughs> Very motivating. Yeah, we did. We we really did not like spanking. I just didn't. We didn't like doing it. And Nicole always has a really tender heart. And I don't know. She's she could probably count on one hand how many times she spanked our kids. And I could maybe count on two hands. So we, but we did, we did a lot of pinching, like when they were young, mm. you know, which is kind of similar. It just doesn't feel as violent, but it's, you know, it just creates pain and that negative, that negative feedback. Yeah. Uh, but what we found was that, <laughs> so this is like in the three, the three-year-old range, roughly, probably where pinching was at its apex. And so for James, pinching really worked. It was great. And we barely had to pinch him actually that much because we pinched him and then he remembered it. And then we could just threaten, you know, like you like you were doing with the nose, right? Like yeah. the threat of the threat of the pinch was more than enough of a consequence for him to change his actions, which was great. But Cameron, it did not work. He's like a little heart more hard headed. And so we would pinch him and it would just make him mad. And it would escalate the problem. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and so then we we like it it became uncomfortable because then we'd pinch him harder, you know, to like, okay, now you really need to understand, right, that this is serious and you don't, you know. And it would just make him even matter, you know, and it would it just got out. It got out of control, kind of. And so we figured out fairly quickly when we started with Cameron that it it didn't work. It just didn't work the same. Mm -hmm. 
And his thing was he was trying, he was really trying to exert control over the situation. Like that's what he, he hated. He still felt like with a pinch that he had a lot of control because he could just scream louder or throw a bigger fit or whatever. And so (laughs) what we ended up having to do with Cameron was first we tried isolating him. So we just put him in his room until he'd calm down. But then it still gave him the option that he could leave the room and he just like kept leaving it and I would, you know, have to hold the door or whatever. Uh, and then, he, so then he would just bang on the door and as long as he could, we, we, we workshopped it a lot because we just could not figure out what the most effective punishment for him would be. And so we, well, then we finally zeroed in on this idea that, Hey, he really like, if he can move his body, he feels like he's in control and he's like not willing to give that up. Kind of, it takes a lot of time. So, so essentially the thing that worked and I, I, I don't know, I don't know if this is always true, but for us, what we were saying is that we know a discipline thing works when you do it one or two times and then the threat of it calms them down, right? Like mm. they stop disobeying when the threat of the punishment and for the other ones for like isolating him in his room and pinching him, it just didn't, it didn't deter him, you know? Yeah. And so we just figured it more effective. So we're trying to figure out what, what will frustrate him enough or like, you know, discourage him enough that he'll actually stop when we threaten it. You know, that's kind of what God's like really good at is I think, I think he's just brilliant at picking punishments and consequences for us as his children that really motivate us to stop, that really get our attention, that really cause us to kind of wake up and realize that we are making a mistake. Yeah. You know, I think the idea with his punishments is that they're the quickest path to lead us back to obedience. So when we're looking for punishments for our kids, we're looking at those that are extremely effective at getting their attention to kind of listen to us, to engage with us, to kind of get out of their frustrations or get out of their anger, to get out of their stubbornness and engage with their parents, which I think is exactly what God's trying to do with his punishments is get us to ultimately engage with him and figure out what the problem is and how we can go about fixing it. And so what I ended up doing was I, he's like, you know, he's losing his mind, right? Thrashing around. So I lay him down on the ground and then I kind of like pin him with my legs. <laughs> like I pin his arms with my legs and, and then his, uh, and then like my feet are like on his legs too. So it's kind of hard to, mm-hmm. it's like you're sitting on your knees kind of, right? Yeah. So not like smashing him or anything, but just, you know, enough so that his arms can't really move. And then I kind of squeezed my knees together so the head, he couldn't even like shake his head, you know, and he would just have to like look at, he would just have to look at me. <laughs> so he's there and he's like totally restrained. And I'm right there just, you know, a few, you know, uh, 10 inches away from his face. And I'm just saying, like, calm down, Cameron. We have to calm down. We have to calm down, you know, so we can talk about our feelings or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, he hates it. He absolutely hates it. But he hated it. It was the worst thing for him. And so after a couple times, maybe three times, uh, he stopped. And it, it, it worked very well after that. Wait, so what, you know, what do you say? Do you say you, do you want to get you want to get pinned down? Yeah, we'd say, we'd say, if you don't stop, we're going to take you to your room and pin you down. Mm. And <laughs> That's um, awesome. Yeah, it worked. And yeah, it, it essentially, like that one for him, because his, his problem was he... So like for James, the pinching, you know, it just kind of broke his heart. I don't know, it melted his heart really easily, right? And yeah. He, it affected For Cameron, it did not because he was not able to control his emotions, I guess, or yeah. like get under control calm and so that sort of forced him to he, the only thing he could do was inside of himself kind of <laughs> and i think it sort of gave him the 
the time and space to think about that. So yeah, it just taught him to calm down. Yeah. How long did you have to do that? Like, how long did you have to pin him down? Uh, I mean, the first time it took a long time, like way longer than I wanted to. I would probably say ten minutes. Yeah. And then the next two were shorter. You know, it went to like ten to five, and then five to two, and then, and then after that, it was not very much at all because he he figured it out. He learned. Man, because we did. I wish we would have figured that out because, like, for Eli, he would we isolate him, lock the door, until mm-hmm. like we'd say like, "All right, you gotta figure yourself out." And he would scream for like an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he would be, and we'd check up on him and be like, "As soon as you're quiet, he would just he would." Just, <laughs> oh my gosh, that sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. Wow, that's tough. It was not. He would, a, really, he would really last an hour. Oh yeah, I mean, it was like wow, it's a yeah. long time. I know. I I never had the problem. <laughs> it was Anna who had the who had the problems with him, mm. like screaming for a long time you mean like when she was home without you yeah i mean because he was three like you <laughs> there are kids like when i wrestled them now or like when i tickle them i used yeah. to be able to like really easily just like um, <laughs> at the same time and now right. they're tough and they know that i'm ticklish in my armpits <laughs> they like <laughs> do it. they're so fast and you can't like so anyways it would have been That's super great that when she was three or when Eli was three but yeah. now like <laughs> she doesn't really have that issue anymore but probably wait did did Nicole ever do the do the pin down uh yeah I think she did okay she had to do it a couple times too maybe yeah yeah that was good for her too because she would get yeah like his screaming really bothered her I don't know how Anna felt about it or whatever but oh, she really it. Yeah, it really bothered her. Like, I was able to, if, if he was in his room, when we were trying that and it wasn't working, I could just tune it out and do something else or whatever. But it really irritated her, and it kind of messed with her peace. And, you know, she was not satisfied with it. But because there wasn't anything that she was actually actively doing, and she just kind of felt like it wasn't working and felt like it was hopeless, sort of. Futile is probably a better word. So with the pinning, it gave her, she was a little bit more active, like actively involved, you know, and could, like, mm-hmm. talk to him. While he was frustrated, you know, and she felt like she had a little more agency in the situation, which I think helped her, yeah, maintain a little bit better. Sure. Dude, I was going to say, when you you said the the pin down thing, two days ago, we took our kids to one of those indoor play places. And it was the first time that physically I struggled with my children in terms of like I couldn't, uh, I couldn't exert my will as much as I wanted to. But it was like running. So there's... They have like a up, like a upper level, just like a circle kind of. It's like a big square, but it's it's pretty small, and so there's like really sharp turns, and you, the ceiling is low, so you can only kind of like stand up two thirds of the way. Mm-hmm. And so we were playing chase, right? And they were, you know, they're obviously staying on the opposite end of the the square, and so then I would try to like run as fast as I could to catch them, catch up with them, and I could not catch James. Wow. <laughs> Because I was having to like bend over, you know, and, and yeah, two thirds height, and it, the the sharp, the turns were really sharp, and uh, yeah. whatever. And, and my socks were slippery, and they had like sticky socks because they have they about to wear sticky socks there. <laughs> but I was trying like full full out sprint as fast as I could, and I could not catch him. <laughs> and it was the first time I had that feeling of, oh my gosh, my kids will eventually, physically, eventually, they will be better than me, or this will only get worse. <laughs> <laughs> it was really it was a really bizarre feeling to have 
So. Yep. Happened like last week. Like mm. usually do is I like wrestle them and then I I flip them both over on their backs on the floor or on the bed and then I just stick like their my hand across their chest so but my thumb and my fingers uh-huh. are just in their yeah. armpit. Sure. And I couldn't do it because they <laughs> get one on their back and then the other one would be like up on their knees sticking their arm in my armpit and so I'd have to like tonight, huh? Yeah. Oh my I like great. I can't lay down like with my arm exposed like this. <laughs> mm. like, even doing this, I like want to put my arm down. Yeah. I was so violently by my dad. I just remember it like hurting, like just being in complete pain. Yeah, cool. so, that cracks me up. Cool. Do you guys have any uh, any mistakes in discipline that you've made that you feel like on the daily? Would... Yeah, I... <laughs> on the daily. <laughs> I... How would you describe the mistakes do you make? Oh, just I get angry and react too quickly or, you know, like you were saying, I think a little bit earlier, maybe you weren't, I can't remember exactly, but (laughs) yeah, if I just react too quick, I just, if I just react out of anger, I just have to apologize. So I feel like that's the, my biggest thing with discipline and like this conversation is I probably like consistency. I think you're not going to see any, any change unless you're consistent with your with your actions, but I also think like also if you if you don't recognize your own heart, then uh, mm-hmm. and apologize to your kids. I think mm-hmm. this could be really kind of like you know like we were talking earlier about getting rid of even with Christmas tradition. Like you got to decide like what's something for them, and if they don't like it, then you've got to change the Christmas tradition a little bit. You know, and then like with discipline too, like what what's god's will what's your will and is this is this actually important and if it's not for anything but purest of reasons then i yeah. think it's really really important if you if you step out because it becomes hard to like construe or not construe it becomes hard to delineate between what matters and what doesn't and i think that could lead towards a lot of parental issues where right. if you're not the kid's not able to see that you're doing it for their good that yeah, I yeah totally then that could become a really difficult part of your relationship with them the, the way i would put it is when i make discipline about making my kids fit into my life better that's when i make all my mistakes so like mm. essentially whenever my kids are annoying me or if they like break something or they just want stuff that i don't that i don't want them to want or that i don't want and i try to discipline them around those things, those situations. Uh, I'm always disciplining out of anger in those situations because mm-hmm. I'm mad because they're not doing, they're not, they're messing with my life. I think we all just kind of know that that's not the way God does it. God doesn't get angry because we're messing with him specifically. He gets mad, I think, because we're not only hurting ourselves by our making our mistakes, but we're also hurting the people around us. Because, you know, I mean, God's just not about himself. So anytime I step outside of that and really start thinking about myself turning inwards and thinking about the impact that has like their mistakes and their sins have on my life, that's when I make the most mistakes. You know, like the the funniest example I have, and this happens less now, but for a while it was happening a lot where Cameron's like a really big perfectionist. So he'd be like coloring. One time he was watching a YouTube video about how to draw an airplane and he was drawing the airplane 
And then it came to the wing, the part where he was supposed to draw the wings, but it's kind of like a 3D perspective kind of thing. And so it was just uh-huh. beyond his level. So he couldn't do it, right? And so he was like, the guy was instructing and just drawing on paper, but Cameron didn't, couldn't, he couldn't do it. And so then. <laughs> That's awesome. So then Cameron starts to get really mad about this. He's really frustrated and he's like asking for help. He's like, I can't do it. And my thing is, I'm, I'm thinking, if you're going to draw this thing, I want you to just draw it by yourself. And if you can't, if you can't, then stop, you know? <laughs> That's yeah. my attitude. Because I don't want, because I don't want to deal with it, uh, and so then he gets more and more frustrated because he wants help, and it's really important to him that he finishes this airplane, but he can't do it. And I'm just saying, just do it by yourself. And he's saying, I can't, I can't. So then he starts to get really mad, and he's kind of crying, getting really angry, and like you know, shouting. And all I'm thinking about it in my in my own heart right now is, I don't want to deal with this right now. This is not what I want to be a part of my life. <laughs> and so then I start shouting at Cameron, Cameron. Calm down. This is not a big deal. <laughs> like, you need to settle down. Like, relax. It's not important, you know? And then as I'm as I'm shouting it, I'm I'm just thinking to myself, oh, uh, <laughs> I wonder if there's a reason why my kid is losing his mind over this really small thing <laughs> that's happening in his life. Because I'm doing the exact same thing. So, you know, what <laughs> what kind of Right. example of my advice like i wonder where he got that from right yeah i wonder where he got that from and awesome. so yeah for me like i was t- trying to turn that into a discipline issue like trying to make him conform to my expectations of him just because mm-hmm. i wanted him to fit inside my life not because it was a right or wrong thing that was about yeah. him it was just about me so yeah i just needed to help him and not do that so that's where i make all my mistakes when it's when it's those situations i mean i'm sure i make mistakes in those situations too but most of my mistakes come when i'm making the situation about me mm-hmm. and how they're how they're kind of messing with my life yeah which is yeah obviously bad you think you made any jake i mean yours is a little yeah nice. i mean last night i i typically don't get super frustrated with him uh but la- last night he wanted uh his bowl of blueberries and so what what he does now with his food we'll we'll give it to him and then in a little like plastic bowl and then he'll just dump it all out and then just play with it, and he may eat it. But he does that. Most of the time, he will actually eat it, but then when, when he's just dumping it out on the floor, we, we just take it away from him. And so he was doing that. He was dumping out the blueberries. We, we took it away from him. And so I was trying to have a conversation with Adrian, and then all Elliot was doing was just whining. He was just like, eh, eh, eh. And, oh, like reaching up trying to get the blueberries and i was like elliot stop you're not getting the blueberries and he he was sort of taken aback a little bit and then he just kept kept whining <laughs> uh, but but then i was like oh wow i i actually got got frustrated there and so then i i like bent down and i apologized <laughs> to him and i hugged him but yeah that that's i would say that is Probably the the most common mistake of of just getting getting frustrated in, in the moment, but then on the on the flip side, what, which is more like internally for me <laughs> and and what I'm trying to get over or figure out is I feel that I'm making mistakes in disciplining by not disciplining enough. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, not sure, in the right sure. situation and so i think most of that is coming out of uh parent guilt or when <laughs> uh 
when, when I see other people that are more worried about Elliot or more concerned about him, then I feel that I'm obligated to actually be a parent and do the, or do, do the, do the parenty thing of, oh, don't play by the stairs or, oh, you got to stay by me or don't run around. Oh, uh, sure. That, that is what I'm trying to figure out now is how mm. do I parents him or how do i discipline him more or should i discipline him more hmm. like like right it, now he is super he knows that he can be the center of attention and that everyone just loves to look at him and uh-huh, to, yeah. and to engage with him and so sure, sure. he has no problem of just being crazy and being funny and you know um yeah <laughs> just stealing the center of the room and which is great and fun but i also just trying to gauge at what point like oh we're having bible study right now and someone share someone sharing their life story uh that mm, there's sure, gonna yeah. be a point in his life where i do not want him to be you know to be sprinting <laughs> and so yeah, yeah. yeah you know of how do how, at what point can i engage with him and to instruct him that he is not always the, the center of attention, that he's mm-hmm. yeah. respectful and, and listen to other people. Yeah, that's a good question. Cool. All right, guys. Thanks a bunch. Sweet. Ditto. We'll see ya. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Once again, if we said stuff that you don't agree with, that you don't like, that you think is wrong or bad or horrible, uh, we're sorry about that, but that's just how we do it. So we're still trying to grow. We're still trying to learn ourselves. You know, a, a big reason we're doing this podcast is because honestly, it's making the three of us better parents. We've, we've talked a lot about how, how much we, how much more we're thinking intentionally about our parenting and how much better of a parents it's, we feel like it's made us. Also, one thing cool that's cool that's come out of it for us that we'd like to happen for you as well is we've been talking a lot about it with our wives. It's really sparked a lot of conversations uh, with them just about parenting, about the stuff we say, about the ideas we're having. And so if you are a husband or a wife and your husband or wife is not also listening to this podcast, we would recommend, suggest that you tell them about it and ask them to listen along with you. One thing we'd really like to do is create a podcast that both husbands and wives could listen to. Uh, that would hopefully spark some conversations, some meaningful conversations about parenting between the two of you and ultimately lead you to deciding and, and learning, you know, the way that God wants you to parent your kids. So uh, we recognize that we're all, we're dads. And so maybe that's hard for some moms to listen to uh, just, just three dads talking. So we are planning on bringing our wives on in future episodes to try to give kind of a more, uh, a little balanced perspective sort of. Uh, so you can look forward to that. That should be a lot of fun. We're really looking forward to it uh, for sure. Uh, you may be wondering why there's still around 20 minutes left in the episode, and it sounds like I'm wrapping up. Uh, it's because I wanted to throw on to the end of this conversation uh, another piece of a conversation we had uh, at a different time, uh, just about the <laughs> uh, about the shows we're watching. So right now, uh, we're, all three of us are watching The Good Place, and we're also big fans of The Office and Parks and Rec. Uh, well, I should say that two of us are big fans of Parks and Rec. Uh, one of us is not. And so if you're interested in kind of listening into our conversations about that, that's on the end here. If you if you are here for some extracurricular stuff, uh, go ahead and stick around. It's a pretty fun conversation. We uh, we like to argue if you can't if you can't already tell. So hope you enjoy. Have you, have you guys watched uh, The Good Place? Yeah. Did, do you it's, like it? It's one of my it's one of my three shows that I am yeah. slowly plotting through. Yeah. yeah, we we just started watching it. I I. I think I'm sold on it. Yeah. I go with my ups and downs. Yeah. We're we're like eleven episodes in. Oh, we're almost in the same spot. That I'm almost never intrigued. happens. Yeah. 
I I really like it for a sitcom comedy that I'm I'm surprised that the plot is pulling me along because I feel like typically <laughs> with with those type of uh, comedies it's almost all character driven. Yeah. Right. Sure. You know, like nope. like a Ron Swanson or Leslie Nope, Michael Scott. Right. That that's what brings me back to those shows. Totally. But yeah, yeah. for the good place right now, it's almost all the plot. I I feel mm, like yeah. the characters I'm I'm not super impressed with yet. Yeah, I totally they, agree. They they are pretty one note. You you get the <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. About who they are. Yeah, it's not really the characters that are driving my interest. I'm I'm pretty intrigued by the plot because it seems mm. that. They bring up uh, a lot of twists. Yeah. Like all right. like all all throughout like little little twists and then sometimes major ones just right. throughout every episode. Intriguing. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I think we might actually be exact. We might be at like episode twelve or thirteen, so almost in the same spot. I would totally agree. I think that's that's probably a good sign because I feel like the character thing. I don't know. It feels like that that's not that hard to hit. Right. Uh, through the right way, you know, you just make people. But you're right. They are they are very one dimensional. There's not a lot of complexity yeah. to any any character at all. So, yeah, I hope that kind of changes a little bit. Yeah. And, and typically with comedies like that, it, they do develop more as the seasons go along. Right. Because, sure. I mean, if you think about Parks and Rec season one, season one is awful. And then yeah. and then eventually, you're, you know, by season two, by the end of season two, you're, you're in love. Right, right. I'm just, I just feel like I need it. I feel like I need it to be good for myself because I need a sunny, happy, <laughs> yeah, positive, cheerful, co- like sitcom comedy in my life. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of this genre that people have abandoned in, in lieu of how easy it is to do dark, like satirical, cynical comedy. Mm-hmm. And I need somebody to try to be positive in my life. Yeah. Uh, that would be that would be great <laughs> for it to succeed. <laughs> yeah, they my thing. You guys both genuinely like Parks and Rec. Yeah, like the the yeah. whole of it. Like absolutely. Yeah. Oh man, I can't. The Good Place probably holds the same the same location that Parks and Rec holds in my in my tier list. Wow. Wow. I don't I don't understand the the hype of Parks and Rec. I don't think the cast list is large enough, and I don't think the quality of characters is diverse enough. Like, I don't think that you have enough A-gamers in the show to support somebody like Creed or Kelly. You know, like, Anne? Anne's a terrible character. Yeah. Every time yeah, she's, she's on she's screen, the worst. I'm like, what are you doing she's the worst on character. Well, I mean, they, they they brought her in initially to to be a foil to Leslie Nope. She was supposed to be sort of like the the gym. Yeah. But but then they 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 revamped her character to make her pretty dumb. I feel like that's what happened. That they just didn't know where they wanted to go with her. But yeah, you're right. But I I feel like that's why I don't fall in love with The Office as much. Because there's almost too many characters. Too many? I don't yeah, know. It I, starts I, off I, pretty slow. I, yeah, I feel like Parks and Rec has they've cemented that core, and I'm I'm just totally bought into every single one of them, except for Anne. <laughs> so here's my other complaint. Then is like The Office. I think I really like the first second season of Parks and Rec, but then. It becomes too much like SNL, where I feel like the jokes played out. 
Whereas maybe the office, you know, the first couple of seasons are about Jim and Pam. Yeah. Dwight like on the side. Mm -hmm. And then they kind of enter a little bit of like the SNL stage. And then Michael leaves and it's like, what is going on here? Right. And it's (laughs) like each progression is interesting because they only do it for a little bit. But I see, I can't get behind the last season of Parks and Rec at all. I think it's terrible. yeah the 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 last half of that season is especially. I mean, it's not great, but I feel they built up enough stock with the characters that that you can. I guess you can make the same argument with The Office, but I feel like with The Office, if we lost if we lost Stanley or if we lost Phyllis. If they just dropped one of those characters off for an entire season, I wouldn't even notice. Oh, I disagree. I think they're the. I think they're like the turmeric or the cardamom, oh. or like just a little <laughs> teaspoon of it adds so much to the. That's a unique analogy. I like that. Yeah, all yeah. you need is a little bit. Like all you all you need is like two scenes with the IT guy, and you're like, ooh, that was something different. You know, that mm-hmm. uh, that was unexpected or. Yeah, Parks and Rec had that had that going with John Ralphio. Yeah, uh, Parks and Rec. He's yeah. definitely a highlight every time he shows up. Oh man! And I feel like they they used him the perfect amount. It was like perfect. And then yeah. whenever whenever it felt like they were like, oh, this guy's great, we should use him more. Then it just kind of he kind of wore off. Which is what the which what the Office's cast of uh, what do they have like thirteen or fourteen? I don't know how many, but that that worked really well with them. I think you're right. I would say I would say the top tier of Parks and Rec is deeper though than the Office. Because wouldn't you say the four main characters would be Michael, Jim, Pam, and Dwight that would make the tier unto themselves? Yeah. I would say, like, maybe for the first, like, five seasons. And then it's, like, a platter. I don't feel like there's yeah. really a top tier after that. Yeah, Andy moves into the, Andy moves into that. I don't know if he ever gets to that. Uh, oh, yeah, well, after Michael leaves and he becomes a boss, he moves into that tier probably. But then there's Robert California. I love the Robert yeah, California true. arc. That's a, just a great mm. arc. You don't like it? I feel like that's not a common opinion. Uh, oh, I love it. It's I like, know. of course, Dane would have that opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I love what he does. He just goes. He just wrecks the show. For yeah. you know, it becomes a Robert California show for for like a season or whatever. Yeah, totally true. I don't know. And Wait, I'm so also who, just not a fan of. I don't like Leslie as much as everybody else likes Leslie. So I think that's who would fair. be for uh, Parks and Rec? Who who would be that tier? Leslie, Ron. Well, I'm yeah, pr- probably those two are on like a special tier of, of, yeah. above the rest, you know. Right. Um, pr- probably like the Michael. T- I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like they're pretty egalitarian with Michael, Pam, Jim, Dwight. So I feel like they're, and I would say, so I would say like, yeah, Leslie and Ron are kind of like the highest tier. Yeah. But then the but then the next highest tier, which I would still say is like similar to Pam. Level, right. you know, Pam Jim level involvement would be April and Andy. I think they become a pretty big deal, mm-hmm. just because their love, in- their their love interest, you know, like yeah. is something that uh, I think Ben and Ben for sure is in that tier because mm-hmm. he falls for Leslie. Yeah, I think I think Tom Haverford. Oh man, for, for me is, is on that tier too, because because they start they start like pairing off and falling in love, you know, or like yeah. everybody kind of has to pair up, and I think that's what that's when you they pull them into those tiers at different points in the show. Yeah. Or which I yeah I feel like pulls them into kind of a more central part of the show mm-hmm. at different at different stages. Yeah, I would say April, Andy, Tom, Chris. Oh yeah, Chris and Ben. Yeah, it's probably those seven. So yeah. plus Leslie, you know, you know. So set so seven versus four is 
like I cared about those five characters like way more than any of the other office characters besides the top four. Yeah. So that's like seven characters that I genuinely cared about and was invested in, really liked versus four. And I feel they have a deeper emotional arc. I, I think Jim and Pam get there, get get to that level in terms of emotion, but uh, mm, I never cared emotionally about Jim and Pam. No, about anybody. Oh, oh about anybody on the Parks and Rec. Oh man. Dude, every time when Leslie goes into the voting booth to vote for herself, I, I tear up inside. And outside. <laughs> oh, I do not connect with that That's at great. all. That gets me every time. I don't feel like she's a person. I never cared <laughs> because, like, I don't feel like she's an actual person. But, but Michael Scott, you're, you're, <laughs> you're sold on his... Uh... <laughs> no. No, I'm not sold on Michael Scott being a person either. Okay. <laughs> The thing that the, I am equally sold on both of them being people. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Scott is just so weird and so self unaware that he can be unique almost every time he's on screen. Where like Leslie Nope has to be determined, she has to be on point, she has to be, you know, she has to be all of these things, and then you just ratchet that up until she's running for office while her husband's running for office until they have triplets until she dedicates a new part you know like i don't know yeah we should do an extended podcast of this and that this would be a great episode where uh we bring the wives in Mm, you think so just because anna would be so passionate anna would dominate this topic and then adrian i actually haven't seen the last three seasons of office Three or four seasons. Adrian uh, last year watched all through the office. I'd be curious mm. to he- to hear her opinions. The office is still a huge deal. It is. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's still a huge deal. It's such a, it's such a big deal still. Uh, which is which is surprising. I mean, it, it wasn't that surprising to me that Seinfeld still felt like a big deal after several years after it was over, yeah. just because there wasn't as much TV, right? So people were always watching reruns and stuff. Yeah. But for it to be a big deal now, to be like a go-to streaming, you know, rewatch thing. Uh, on your own time when there's so much other TV is pretty impressive. I feel like yeah. it's it's one of the rare touchstones in culture that you're going to, if you talk about it, a lot of people will yeah. be able to relate. There's not a lot of things like that where you could have a conversation. And most things you would be excluding, I feel like, 85% of anybody who's listening or more. Mm-hmm. Even if it's kind of popular, even if it's something that has, you know isn't like some back-end, like, deep-cut show. <laughs> you know, you watch like you, you, if you really actually pay attention to what good view, viewership numbers are for a lot of shows, there and you think about them in terms of the population of the world or even just America, it's pretty surprising how, how what low percentage of people are watching the same shows. Where do you do that? Where do you check it out? I've never done that. I would grab a USA Today, uh, and they would always have the, like the numbers. And oh, I really? you just look it up, like yeah, like the the Nielsen ratings or whatever for shows and stuff for the last week or the last day or whatever, and. You can look it up. I also, just like when I read about TV too, I mean, sometimes like the articles that I read about talk about the numbers and the viewership and say like, show, you know, as whether it's doing well or not. And they kind of compare it to other shows and stuff. Friends is a TV show that yeah, I'm blown away. That's still relevant. I never got into Friends, but I read an article in like last week and they said that the cast, the, the main cast still gets $20 million a year. I read that too. I saw. Yeah. I think I saw that on Reddit. That's yeah. insane. <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? 
Yeah. They said the show makes a billion dollars a year, right? Yeah. Syndication. Yeah. Syndication and then Netflix just got it. And so that's insane. I I did not realize that people still watched Friends. Not only watched it, but like continue to watch it religiously. (laughs) I think a lot of a lot of young people, like a lot of my students watch it. Wow. A lot of young I think a lot of younger people are watching it too. Along with probably people rewatching it too because they like it, but I think it's catching on for some reason with the Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Cause like the yeah. I mean the style is like nineties style right now, oh, right? Yeah. Right. And so like then you're just you mm. can watch a nineties show with your nineties, you know. <laughs> that's happening. The style is nineties style right now. Oh, it's terrible. It's the worst. Oh, I didn't realize that. Interesting. High waisted baggy pants with like a bandana. <laughs> I don't know if that's the style, but are you, dude? Oh man, we had this babysitter come, and like I was talking with Anna about what she was wearing afterwards. I was like, "Do you think she, like, I could not believe the clothes she was wearing. She wore like these dad colored, like you know, the light blue." Oh, yeah. Baggy, high-waisted, yeah. up to the crotch, you know, with, like, mm-hmm. halfway up her stomach with, like, a tucked-in, baggy, long-sleeved T-shirt, bandana on. And I was like, that is... Right. You could not scare me off anything <laughs> than to wear something like that. Oh, that's funny. She's like, that's the cool thing right now. I'm like, there's no way that's cool. So she argued with, like, wow. the 90s are coming back. That's yeah, my source so. of my claim. Sure. <laughs> All it takes is one source. Yeah, yeah. I do wonder if we should have this. I mean, I'm not, not seriously, but I think it'd be funny to have a <laughs> have a segment where we have Dan describe things that he doesn't really know a lot about. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! I feel like that's this whole podcast. Yeah. Like throw, like just throw this random, like this phrase or whatever, just like a cu- yeah. cultural thing that Dan is like halfway familiar with and have him try to describe it. <laughs> Yeah, because when when you did that for "It's a Wonderful Life," I was just crack, like cracking up so hard listening to it again when I was <laughs> editing. You're like trying to, to tell the plot of a movie you'd never really seen. Super Bowl odds go. <laughs> is that yep. is playoffs done? <laughs> exactly. Gosh, My favorite be... thing that I've done so far, <laughs> I've done this purposely at church a couple of times, where I'll just walk into a conversation. And there's like a couple guys talking about football. And I'll ask, I'll just ask relevant questions, won't answer anything, and then leave the conversation. I've been building my football cred. With oh, like, re- like as a research thing, not as like a funny thing, but you're researching. No, like as, a, as my own inside joke. Like nobody oh, knows. No. I, there's like one guy who, <laughs> I'll, I'll just like ask him football questions about, I think he's like a fan of the Bears, and he has no mm-hmm. idea that I have no clue what the heck. Oh, I see, I see what you mean. <laughs> oh my gosh like where you say things like dude do you guys think Aaron Rodgers is better than Peyton Manning and then <laughs> uh, who's my there's a baseball player I used to always ask about some old Minnesota Twins pitcher uh, is DiMaggio a name yeah I mean he's that's like Yankees 1950s oh okay. <laughs> that's just the only thing that came to my mind see I'm telling you this would be great all right, thanks so much for listening. I uh, really appreciate you guys tuning in. Keep telling people about it if you could. Uh, we really like what we're doing, and we'd like for as many people to hear about it as possible. So uh, if you could help us out in any way you want to, that would be great. Next week, we'll be talking about spanking, so that should be a fun one. We'll see you soon.
shouldn't think that treats him too much like a dog, but... Uh, is Dimaggio a name? 